Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is how states and counties are linking their program data to form what's known as integrated data systems in order to better monitor and improve service delivery. Our guest is Dennis Colhane, who helps lead a network of states and counties that are shaking up the status quo by linking their program data. Here's a clip. There certainly has to be a deliberate acknowledgement that there's huge value in these data sets, which, you know, they're there, they exist, they've been paid for, uh, and for a very marginal additional cost, you could be bringing them together and producing much, much greater value information. Uh, and once jurisdictions appreciate that and understand that, they become much more eager in finding the solutions. As you know, programs and agencies in government often exist in silos, where the efforts of one aren't necessarily connected with the efforts of others, and their data are often not shared between programs. That slows down the process of learning what works and of improving systems. A growing number of states and localities, however, are developing integrated data systems by linking their program data, often called administrative data, across multiple agencies to monitor and track how services are being used and to what effect. These data systems can also be used to test social policy innovations through quick, low-cost, randomized control trials and quasi-experiments. And finally, integrated data systems can also be used for continuous quality improvement efforts and cost-benefit analysis. To learn more, we're joined by Dennis Culhane. He's a professor in the School of Social Policy and Practice at the University of Pennsylvania, and he also helps lead Actionable Intelligence for Social Policy, which has built a network of jurisdictions using integrated data systems. Dennis, welcome. Thank you, Andy. So start us off with the basics, if you would, which is what do we mean by linking data and why is it useful for a state, a city, or a county? Well, a lot of states and counties are are dealing with complex social problems with populations who have lots of diverse needs. And so, you know, many of the same people are being served in different programs. And um, oftentimes there's duplication of services, there's there's gaps in, in terms of what people are accessing. So being able to put data sets together where one agency can see what's happening to this person in another agency helps them to identify where things are working, where things are going wrong, and how they can potentially improve the situation. And can you give us an example, Dennis, of one of the sites in your network, what they've done in terms of linking data and how they're using it? Well, an interesting recent example, I think fairly powerful illustration, um, was in January when Los Angeles uh, released a planning report around homelessness for L.A. County. And um, they looked at the folks who had been identified as homeless by L.A. County through their service system, 150,000 people in fiscal year 15, and tracked them across all the county-funded services and found that the uh, population used a billion dollars in services in just FY15. And that was very important. It helped to demonstrate, you know, sort of the opportunity costs that are there that should they find alternatives that, you know, they could potentially reduce the use of those expensive use of those services. I think it's a really important point worth underscoring that if you only see data in silos, it's like shining a flashlight just in one area. Uh, and not seeing the bigger picture. So with uh, homelessness, you might see the costs in terms of uh, the police department or mental health systems or social services. 
but the integrated data allows you to see the larger costs and also the benefits of making reductions in challenges like homelessness, but the same could be applied to many other social policies as well. Yeah. A fundamental benefit of being able to link the data is it does make people visible uh, who might otherwise, you know, not be known. You know, that it, it may be unaware that a particular agency, for example, an emergency room or healthcare provider is seeing disproportionately high numbers of kids in the foster care system, let's say, or that, you know, the, the number of people who are in the juvenile justice system are coming from disproportionate, uh, you know, special education programs of some sort. So there's a lot of overlap uh, and, and things that get made visible by putting together the data sets. And beyond that important use of seeing the broader costs of social policy issues, tell us about some other uses of these integrated data systems. One of the most common things we see that communities are interested in are what we call critical transitions. So young children moving into school or from elementary school to high school, people moving from school into the labor force uh, or into disability or retirement, uh, moving in and out of institutions, coming out of prison or jail or coming out of foster care. Anytime there's a transition like that, uh, people tend to be moving from one set of government programs and agencies into another. And so there's a lot of interest in seeing where the baton gets dropped or well, how program transitions are not or could be better occurring. Second thing that we see often is looking within a particular developmental period that there are people who are using multiple systems. Um, it, it tends to be the case that in any program or agency, there is a relatively small number of people who are using most of the services. They tend to be the more complex cases, and they tend to be involved in multiple systems simultaneously. So, Dennis, I think it's clear that there's growing interest in these integrated data systems, but still very few places have done this type of work. Why do you think that's the case, and what are the main barriers to integrating data like this? There's a perception uh, and a fear that there are legal barriers that you know, HIPAA and FERPA and the Privacy Act and various statutes prohibit government agencies from sharing information of this type. And in fact, um, there are exemptions or exceptions in each of those that permit government agencies to link these records because evaluation is a fundamental business practice that government agencies have to engage in. And planning is a fundamental process uh, that they have to engage in in order to administer these programs. So there's a perception that it's not permitted, but in fact is permitted, and there's many states and many counties who are doing it. You've noted a really interesting fact in some presentations that I've heard you give, which is that there are several countries that have solved these challenges uh, to integrated data. The most well-known are the Scandinavian countries like Denmark, but it's also France, Manitoba, Canada, uh, Western Australia, and they've all developed essentially the same solution. Tell us what that is. Basically, when a government decides they want to do this, they designate an entity. It can either be in government, a particular department or a unit in, in a department, or they can designate an institute that is responsible for receiving the data from the different agencies. Within that, there's usually two or three people who are authorized and trained to handle identifiers. Uh, and then those folks work in a secure environment to link together the records and then they strip off the identifiers and the integrated file is actually a de-identified file. At least there's not personally identifying information on it. 
when researchers or evaluators want to analyze the data, a research data set is created. Now, there's a couple solutions from there, but most common uh, recently is that those research data sets are created in a space where the analysts can access them remotely. Uh, so they don't actually download the data. They don't. The data is not sent outside of the secure environment, but people are accessing it remotely, running their statistical queries on the data, and getting back results. That makes sense. And Dennis, tell us about the leadership aspect of this story. I assume in every one of these jurisdictions, leaders had to kind of stand up and say, this integration effort is worth it. It can be done. Let's move forward and do it. Yes, there certainly has to be a deliberate acknowledgement that there's huge value in these data sets, which, you know, they're there, they exist, they've been paid for. Uh, and for a very marginal additional cost, you could be bringing them together and producing much, much greater value information. Uh, and once jurisdictions appreciate that and understand that, they become much more eager in finding the solutions. Another motivator is that, quite frankly, uh, most of these agencies do need to share information for certain operational purposes. And when they have to do that each and every year or every other year, the amount of, they, they usually start the process all over again. There's different attorneys involved. And the time that it takes to process those agreements each and every time, um, eventually folks realize, well, you know, we should just have this institutionalized. Let's put these data together on an ongoing basis and we won't have to go through this again. So there is also the benefit to workload from the perspective of the agencies. A final broader question for you, which is what do you think the goal should be for the U.S. around integrated data, around using data, um, the goal for states, for localities? Well, I think if, you know, it's not just having more informed research results or evaluation results. It's embedding it in a process where, uh, you know, leadership in agencies are actually sitting together and talking about the problems that they're jointly faced with. And, you know, because program managers, you know, are usually only responsible for the things that happen in their silo, they tend not to look around and understand the multifactorial nature of what they're dealing with. Um, but when you put people together and decision makers in a room together, you can begin to see uh, where there's leverage points, where there's opportunities to get better outcomes, and a more collaborative process unfolds, and the data just serves to make that conversation happen and be more effective. And when you say the importance of getting leaders in the same room, you're talking about leaders from different programs and from different agencies. Exactly. So what, a, a common one that people are talking about these days is the opiate uh, epidemic, which involves law enforcement, it involves homelessness, it involves emergency rooms and emergency services, uh, so there's a lot of different folks who are engaged in having to deal with this epidemic and coming together in, you know, essentially a task force where they can look at the information, can inform better what they're doing. I'll post a link on the podcast website to the Actionable Intelligence for Social Policy website. And on their website, you can also sign up for their newsletter to keep up to date. My thanks to Dennis Culhane for being with us today. And thanks to all of you for listening.